0: Welcome to Disputes Digest for the week of March 6, 2023. I'm Chris Campbell. This week on the show, we have a bunch of great news for you. We're going to first talk about a great piece of the Cluer Arbitration Blog, taking a look at the international framework for adjudicating disputes. Then we're going to take a look at an important decision out of the People's Republic of China and the legal system there and how it impacts appealing decisions from arbitrators or from the court. From there, we'll talk about a brief story involving a new piece from Law Society by Professor Richard Susskind on the effect of AI and international law. Then we've got two more stories, the first being a decision out of the Egyptian court system talking about what government authorities are needed to approve an administrative contract's inclusion of an arbitration clause, hint, hint, wink, wink, for you Vismut people out there. And our final story of the day is going to be a story from the U.S. Chamber of Commerce via Reuters, where the U.S. Chamber of Commerce mentions its issues with mass arbitration and the actors therein. We're talking arbitrators, judges, and the like. Okay, we've got a lot to cover this week, so let's jump into it. All right. Hey, 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 listeners. Let's jump into the first story of the day. The latest scoop, if you will, in the world of arbitration. And let me tell you, it's quite a doozy. So there's this new article on the Clue Arbitration blog about the international framework of adjudication. I know, I know it sounds like it could be a little bit dense, but trust me, it's worth a read. The article talks about the current system of international arbitration can be approved by adopting a framework for adjudication. And Let me tell you, it's about dang time. The article is by Giuseppe Franco and talks about how the current system of international arbitration can be approved by adopting a framework for adjudication. And let me tell you, sometimes it can feel a bit convoluted and you might have no idea what's going on, but Giuseppe's article does a great job of proposing some solutions to that. And here's the thing the key question that's asked are we moving in the right direction? The author argues that the current proposals for the framework is not quite hitting the mark. And it's like, missing the main contact or underlying goals of what people are looking for when they go to resolve their disputes in an international legal framework. The article goes on to say that there needs to be more collaboration and dialogue between scholars, practitioners, and policymakers to create a framework that works for everyone. From there, the author also highlights the importance of inclusivity and diversity in creating such a framework. So there you have it. What do you think? Does this framework of adjudication need more refining? check out the article. We'll attach a link in the show notes and you can dive right into it and let me know your thoughts. Then on January 19th of 2023, the Supreme People's Court of China released an opinion regarding the handling of applications for enforcement supervision cases, which took effect on February 1st, 2023. The opinion specifies that if a party or interested party disagrees with the court's execution of review, RULING TO ARTICLE 232 OF THE CIVIL PROCEDURE OF CHINESE LAW AND APPLIES FOR ENFORCEMENT SUPERVISION TO THE HIGHER PEOPLE'S COURT, THE COURT SHOULD REGISTER THE CASE EXCEPT AS OTHERWISE PROVIDED BY LAW AND JUDICIAL INTERPRETATION OR OPINION. OKAY, THAT WAS DENSE. HOWEVER, IF THE APPLICANT CONSIDERS THAT THE COURT SHOULD HAVE TAKEN ENFORCEMENT MEASURES BUT DID NOT AND REQUESTS THE COURT TO TAKE ENFORCEMENT MEASURES, THE COURT SHOULD REVIEW AND PROCESS IT promptly, AND GENERALLY NOT REGISTER IT AS AN EXECUTION OF THE OBJECTION case. On the other hand, if a party disagrees with the execution rulings and applies for review or enforcement supervision and one of the five situations occurs, such an objection raised by an outsider to the execution target according to the civil procedure law or relevant judicial interpretation, and that objection is therefore not accepted or an arbitration award in that matter would not be enforced by the people's court the court should then explain the legal provisions or remedies in an appropriate way and generally not accept the case for enforcement review or enforcement supervision applicants were dissatisfied with the execution of review ruling and can apply then for the enforcement supervision and should do so within six months of legal effect of the execution review this is pursuant to article 12 of the civil procedure law then if the applicant decides for enforcement supervision beyond these deadlines the people's court will not apply nor accept the case if it has been submitted if the applicant disagrees with the execution ruling of the higher people's court they should then apply for enforcement supervision of the original higher people's court ruling then however the supreme people's court shall accept the following enforcement supervision applications one if the applicant agrees with the basic facts and review procedures determined in the execution review ruling but considers the application of the law as incorrect Two, if the execution review ruling has been deliberated and decided by the adjudication committee of the higher people's court. In conclusion, the new opinion provides guidelines for the scope of enforcement, the time limits for applying the enforcement provisions and the methods and forms of case resolution, which aim to improve the efficiency of case handling and safeguarding the legitimate rights and interests of the parties. And then on to our third story, It seems that the future of law is about to be shaped by none other than our good old friend, artificial intelligence, AI. That's right, robots are coming for your jobs. But before you start panicking and barricading your law firms, let's take a closer look at what's really going on. According to a recent Law Society report by Professor Richard Susskind, AI is set to revolutionize the legal sector in a big way. We're talking everything from document review and due diligence to contract management and dispute resolution. In fact, some firms are already using AI to do grunt work that lawyers used to dread. Think of sifting through mountains of paperwork or searching for relevant case law. But before you start feeling too threatened, it's important to note that AI isn't going to replace human lawyers entirely. At least not yet. After all, there's more to lawyering than just crunching numbers and scanning documents. Lawyering still needs to be able to interpret the law, provide strategic advice, and well, you know, actually talk to their clients. So what does this mean for the legal profession? Well, for one thing, it means that lawyers will need to start embracing new technologies and adapting to new ways of working. Those who resist the AI revolution risk being left behind in a world full of efficiency and cost effectiveness are king. But perhaps more importantly, it means that lawyers will need to start focusing on the skills that AI can't replicate, things like emotional intelligence, creativity, and critical thinking. After all, no matter how smart our robots get, they're never going to be able to match the nuance and complexity of the human mind. So, my legal friends, the future may be uncertain, but one thing is for sure, AI is here to stay. It's up to you to decide whether you're going to fight it or embrace it. As for me, I'm just gonna sit back and watch the show. After all, it's not every day you get to witness a legal revolution. And then for our fourth story, we're talking about an interesting development in the Egyptian court system. Let's first go back. In April 2022, the Cairo Court of Appeal annulled an arbitration award due to the lack of ministerial approval for the arbitration agreement entered into with the Egyptian administrative authority. This decision marks a reversal of the Court of Appeal's previous stance that only the chairman of the concerned authority needed to approve the arbitration agreement. Let's take a look at the chronology of the Egyptian court's position on the issue. In 2015, the Court of Cassation held that the ministerial approval was required for any arbitration agreement entered into as part of the administrative contract. However, in 2017, the Cairo Court of Appeal changed its stance and stated that it was enough to have a chairman of the concerned authority approve the agreement. This decision was then reviewed by the confirmed by the court. This decision was then reviewed and confirmed by the Court of Cassation in 2018. Fast forward to 2022 and the Cairo Court of Appeal has once again changed its position and requires that the competent minister to issue the required ministerial approval. It is important to note that the decision has not been confirmed by the Egyptian Court of Cassation as yet. In addition to this, there is a new requirement as amended in 2022, whereby any entity that the state has contributed to in any manner is required to obtain approval from a ministerial committee for any international arbitration agreement entered into with a foreign investor. However, there are several gaps in the current Egyptian legal framework regarding this issue, such as the definition of foreign investor and the ramifications for failing to abide by this requirement. So there you have it, folks. The decision marks an interesting development in the Egyptian court system and highlights the importance of staying up to date with legal requirements and changes, especially those with state entities, and frankly, provides some ammunition for those Moody's out there that might have a similar issue. All right, then to our fifth and final story for the day. The U.S. Chamber of Commerce is blaming judges, arbitrators, and lawyers for the recent wave of mass arbitration abuses. Yep, you heard it right. They're pointing fingers at the very people who are supposed to be upholding the law, whether it be in a private or public context. Now, if you're not familiar with mass arbitration, in the United States at least, let me break it down for you. It's basically a bunch of claims being filed by groups of people against a company. Instead of going to court, these claims are handled through arbitration. Which is supposed to be a quicker and cheaper alternative to litigation but as with anything there are always some bad apples in the bunch the u.s chamber of commerce is claiming that these bad apples are the judges arbitrators and lawyers involved with the process according to them some of these professionals are exploiting the system to rack up fees while others are not properly vetting the claims before they're filed and of course there are always those who are just downright corrupt But here's the thing, while it's true that there are some bad actors out there, the real problem could be with the system itself. Mass arbitration has become a way of companies to avoid accountability and shield themselves from lawsuits, so the article writes. And let's be honest, when you're dealing with power differentials, the playing field is difficult to level. This article argues that it might be time for us to ask ourselves whether mass arbitration is really the best way to handle these types of claims. Because at the end of the day, it's the little guy who faces the brunt of the pressure from these types of systems and that's no laughing matter then one more thing before we get out of here this week in just over a month columbia university is hosting its annual columbia arbitration day with this year's theme being arbitration beyond the box new innovations and perspectives it's a huge event with several primary sponsors and nearly two dozen supporting organizations including this show so if you're in the greater new york area or if you will be there grab your ticket now as space is bound to be limited and that's right it's april 14th 2023 columbia arbitration day and finally, 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 before we get out of here for today, a big shout out to the University of South Carolina Lady Gamecocks on winning the SEC tournament in basketball. It was a huge win, a historic win, and a long time listeners of the show know we stand the entire team, but especially Queen D, Dawn Staley. Congrats, ladies, and off to the NCAA tournament. Hashtag March Madness. Maybe we'll do a show bracket like we did last year. That's it for Disputes Digest this week. If you're not already, follow us on LinkedIn, subscribe to the show. And if you're feeling really generous, like we said at the beginning, leave us a review. Until next time, this has been Disputes Digest by Tales of the Tribunal. Thank you for tuning in to Disputes Digest, and we'll see you next week. None of the views shared today or in any episode of Disputes Digest is presented as legal advice nor advice of any kind. No compensation was provided to any organization or party for their inclusion on the show, nor do any of the statements made represent any particular organization, legal position, or viewpoint. All interviewees or organizations included appear on an arm's length basis and their appearance should not be construed as any bias or preferred affiliation with the host or host's employer. All rights reserved.